I've written probably 2,400 blog posts on my main site since about October 2013. I did the average math per day on that once, and it's something like 1.7 every day. In short, I've blogged a lot. So once in a while, people ask me what my favorite ever post is. And I mean, it's hard to choose because I barely remember everything I've written on here. But I think around mid-2016, I wrote a post called New Product Features? Question mark. How about New People Features? The idea is that workplaces become obsessed with product launches and rollouts, and those are obviously really important to the business. But every day, people go through stuff too. They get married, they get divorced, they raise kids, they, God forbid, lose kids. Their parents age, friendships change, they fight with their spouse, they reconcile with their spouse. All this stuff happens to us day in and day out, and it changes our connection back to the work we do every day. That's a big theme of this discussion with Bob Brum, who brands himself as an encouragement engineer. The origin story of that term is within the episode. He's a professional speaker and coach focusing on a positivity mindset and helping people get through different challenges. I figured he'd be a good guest because the focus of this podcast is on the second act of life, about 25 to 50, and a lot of different, very impactful stuff happens to people in that age range. Turns out my guess was right. This is a relatively short episode of maybe 24, 25 minutes, but we cover a lot of themes including work-life balance, work-life integration, the quote-unquote reality of life kicking in, being human at work, whether purpose is a buzzword, and more. So let's get to it. as an encouragement engineer, what I do is I help people to see a positive perspective about life events. So because everything happens to us all the time throughout life, we have different life events, whether it's financial, whether it's, you know, our loved ones passing away, things happening in our families, whatever that may be, it's a life event. And we got to look at that in a positive perspective. And I help people, not only individuals, but groups to see that positive perspective of life events and how to deal with some of those things that occur in our life. Okay. That's perfect, man. I have, I like the, uh, I like the terminology I had not heard. I don't know if you've ever seen other people brand in that way, but I think it's cool. Um, I actually was doing something with a company in Tampa, maybe like two, three years ago. And Uh, one conversation we got into, and I always like thought this was interesting. It's not revolutionary or anything, but like this company, like many companies, was obsessed with like product launches and like rollouts and all that stuff. And I said to some executive type dude there, I was like, um, "Do you ever think about like new people features in the context of like you know?" Maybe somebody went through a divorce, they lost a parent, uh, they're like estranged from a sibling, whatever. It's like all those things are going to change your connection back to work. And we focus so much on like the product and process side in a work context is what I'm saying. And we don't focus as much on the people side, but 
all those people need, like they're going through things that are resetting their own, like quote unquote product that being themselves, you know? So I always feel like that's this huge dichotomy. I don't know if you do like work corporate stuff or you're more one-to-one. Um, but I prefer corporate, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean because everybody, you know, most people have a job and everything in life affects that performance. And, and you've said it, it, their product is themselves. You, you know, you incorporate it. That affects you. Everything affects you and your attitude and how you deal with those things affects everything you do. So it's a, uh, it's a real thing. And people tend to forget that. I mean, being in a corporate environment in IT, people drink from the fire hose and it's always about how fast can you get it done? How, you know, the little bit, smallest amount of cost, but you know, what goes on in your personal life is kind of turned off a lot of the time. So why do you, I've always wondered this, why do you think people draw such a thick line between work and personal just because they got that methodology or approach from like their grandparents or their parents that the two aren't supposed to touch each other? And do you see that changing at all? I do see it changing. I think it is a, it's a paradigm shift in society because we're seeing that. I mean, you hear some of the news now with, you know, people talking about um, mental illness and PSD and all these issues that occur that affect everyone. It affects everything you do, like we previously mentioned. And, and that's important. It, that whole, as a human being, our life is everything we do, not just work or nine to five job. It's everything. And one blends into the other. You're going to have a kid to get sick and he's not going to get sick after five o'clock. He's going to be sick at three in the morning that affects your eight o'clock time to start work and how, you know, you may have to take off or get somebody else to do your work or meet with the client, whatever it may be. It's not, everything blends together. And I think that's important to see um, where we got that idea. Maybe it was because of that older style, that older methodology of you work for a certain time and then you come home and that's your, your separation of time. Um, but that's not the case anymore. I mean, all the technology as well blends everything together. You get texts at night during the early morning and emails and all kinds of things that you're on the clock 24 seven. So what's your, what's your hot take on when you hear the concept of work life balance? Do you feel like that's like a, a flawed way to describe it? Cause I always kind of feel like it's not like you're trying to balance it. It's almost like you're trying to integrate the two parts into what is your whole life, you know? Yeah, I'd have to agree with that statement because you do, you have to do that. I mean, there's times where, like I said, a sick kid, you're going to be possibly working from home. And so you're going to have to deal with that. Hold on. I can't take that call right now because I got to take care of the sick child. Or um, let me let me get this back to you this evening um, because, you know, whatever may be going on at, at, at the house or different things at work, your, your time frame of when you get things done, I mean, working with different time zones i'll get calls it's one o'clock their time but it's three o'clock our time or four o'clock our time two o'clock their time and you've got to try to adjust so i'm doing stuff after i get home at 5 36 o'clock for our, our teammates that are on the west coast and so forth it's just a blending and a balancing of or integrating all that together so when you work with somebody new, whether it's a team or an individual or whatever, 
uh, when somebody, what do you kind of see as like some of the biggest negative affects or attitudes that people have that they are going to need some degree of encouragement around? Like, where do you see people struggling um, in the work that you've done? A lot of times it's just, um, I've got 25 years in the IT telecom industry. So that is a fast paced industry and people get burned out. Um, and you see that attitude of what well, we've always done it that way, or it's a, you know, they don't like so much change and yet the industry and everything around you changes so rapidly. People get tired from that. And that's where I see where they need a lot of encouragement that knowing the value they have as smart individuals, as people that can do great things, um, that gets overlooked a lot of times because you're just trying to finish a project. You're just trying to get this work completed. Um, perhaps a corporation doesn't see the value as people or the people don't think the company sees them as valuable. Um, I've spoken to organizations where they just got bought out and the people were scared of what's going to happen to my job. And I had to go in there and it was like a hostile situation going into that. But at the same time, I'm explaining to them the value they have, the knowledge they have and how valuable that is and show them the opportunities. Not only they have currently where they are, but if things were to change with the organization, that you have great value with the knowledge you've learned. So that's where I see a lot of need for encouragement is getting that realization back to the value of the people, the value of what they can provide, whether it's, you know, making phone calls, being technical, speaking to people or whatever it may be, whatever that specialty is, it's that value that you provide to the organization. So what, what do you think, do you, would you say like the biggest driver of burnout or cause of burnout is that kind of like that chasm between the value that you could be providing and the intelligence that you could be offering back to the organization and what you're actually caught up in doing, like where that gap is? Do you think that's what drives a lot of burnout? Because I've seen that for sure. Yeah, it, it very well can. I mean, you take any situation, um, you know, okay, just in, in your profile of, of the groups you talk to and, and you talk about in your podcast, life through 25 through 50, what happens at those times? You're excited, you get married, possibly you have kids, you, you know, you go through that excitement and then all the stuff with the kids and you that reality of life kicks in. And then, oh, by the way, maybe the marriage works out, maybe it doesn't, whatever the case may be. But then your parents, they'll age, they'll get older and you have to deal with these real life things. And like you said, that takes away from your skill where you're working. And maybe you realize that and you're like, OK, I can't perform to my 110 percent that I'm used to when I was single. Um, but I'm performing at 70%. Some people think that's failing. Um, some people, it, like you said, it's integrating your whole life into what you do. And that takes a lot. And you've got to realize that value. I mean, think about all the things you can do as a parent with kids. It's You're a schedule connoisseur and balancing budgets, balancing time, balancing attitudes it's a lot of work and that you know that's a great value that if you take those skills and put them into your job you realize how you can balance things as well you you see the the possible integration into your workplace so there's a again not that 
that far of a separation. But yeah, that uh, people not seeing that value cross the parameters, I think is a big cause for burnout. So I've seen a bunch of research and this would hold up logically that most people end up getting their first managerial type role sometime probably between 30 and 35. It varies for different people, obviously. But let's say somebody within kind of the uh, group that I talk about the most on this show, let's say somebody becomes a manager for the first time and now they have employees or they have a team that obviously has lives outside of whatever the work and the tasks are. So from the work you've done with people, and I know we're very far off on like totally scaled, uh, good management. Most places still have a lot of crappy managers, but what do you think it is that people want from their supervisors in terms of their job, their connection to work? Like, what do you most see people asking for? And maybe that could provide some guidance to somebody that may be in that uh, role for the first time. Uh, one of the things is, uh, I think, is to be heard. A lot of times, you know, and, and that's not only from a, if you will, subordinate to a management person, hear what the people are saying and be able to take that to those that need to, that can help make the change. Um, be a conduit to allow that change to happen. Don't be somebody that holds up on it. Um, the other thing is showing the showing employees the value they have and appreciating that value. That that appreciation of what they do, who they are, is important to a lot of people. It's not necessarily always you know the money, although that does help. But you know there's bigger bigger things that people look at and. Those things are important to a lot of people, and as a manager, that new role is understanding that what your team is looking for, what those needs are, and they're going to be different per individual. So, getting to know people is important. It's not just, and that's not just in meetings. Maybe you know, have a side conversation with them, have a hallway conversation, see how they're doing, see how their their kids are, how's the baseball game last week, what what might be for that person, so that they know you understand they have a real life. Yeah, it always boggled my mind when people get, uh, managers get crazy about, oh, I don't, I can't do that stuff because I don't want to be perceived as friends with my employees. And it's like, well, I mean, like, I get it. And there needs to be a line somewhere. But I don't think asking people about their lives outside of deliverables necessarily implies that you're embarking on some great friendship, you know, I just think it's like a human thing to do, you know? Exactly. Uh, Being human. Yeah. That's good analogy. So how did you, how did you come up with this encouragement engineer title? Did you like workshop that or where, like where, what's the backstory on that? Well, it goes from my background, really. I, um, I started out when I was in college, I wanted to be a constructional engineering major. And uh, physics and Fortran killed me, so I went to business. I was working for a CPA firm at the time, and then I switched my major to business and finished my degree with business administration with a discipline in accounting. And I came out of school, and the accounting firm was like, you need to do something that's more active. In other words, I had a hard time basically sitting still. I needed action, so I went to work for a technology company, and that's where I got into the IT and telecom field. It 
was one of those scenarios that I got to see a lot of technology, understand the background. I picked it up quickly. Um, and that's where the scenario for the encouragement engineer came about was because of my background in engineering and technical side. And the encouragement is something I, I see just through life events that I've had and that other people can relate to and showing that positive perspective of what goes on in our life. When I was six years old, I lost my mother to cancer. Um, and then that same year, I lost my grandmother on my mother's side, my grandfather on my father's side on Christmas Day. It, it, uh, I learned early in life that these, these life events happen and that I'm here for a purpose. And I believe that purpose is to help people to see the value that we can learn from these events and to show the value of positive perspective in every life event. And so that's where the encouragement piece came together. So I put the two together and as an encouragement engineer, that's what I do is help people to see that positive perspective with life events. And that means work life events, your, your home life events. If you want to separate the two, everything happens to us and it affects us. And there's a positive perspective in it. It's not always easy, but, if you notice the world keeps turning, the sun keeps rising, no matter what happens. And we have to try to do the same while we're on this journey. So having some of that stuff happen to you at a pretty early age. And I mean, I had, I didn't have any death stuff in that six, seven year old period, but I had some other more significant stuff around then too. What, what would you say? Like, that's a pretty young age to have to deal with some harder issues what would you say, like, obviously you, you might not remember lessons from year six, but like, how do you think it equips you when you encounter somebody that's dealing with something like, do you have like a, a first step or a series of steps that you take with somebody that's dealing with a harder situation? It's uh, over my life, what I've realized is that it's not something that you can just easily go by. You have to understand that. And there's a time for it. You, I try to reassure the people that things will get better because with time they will, it's not now, but with time, the things will get better. Also to one, keep that in mind, even though it's hard at the time, but knowing that there's a better thing coming, that there's a future possibility and having faith that there's a better scenario coming is very helpful to people that gives them hope. And when you give them hope, that gives them the ability to see something coming, to be able to change their attitude just a little bit each day to, you know, step forward, to keep going. Um, I had a friend of mine, she lost her son. He was probably in his early twenties to a mountain climbing accident. And um, I do a daily motivational encouragement video and I got a, email from her and said, you know, I woke up today and saw your video and that just gave me the ability to make that next step. And that's one of the things that just, you know, is nice to hear, but it's that idea of helping somebody to make that next step, um, that things will be improving. It's, it, it takes time. And if we keep taking that next step and then one more step and then one more step, pretty soon we'll be running and that journey will be getting a little bit easier. That's beautiful. Um, okay, so I want to ask you this too. What do you think? Obviously, purpose is very important to the human condition. You've brought it up two or three times already. And I agree with that totally. 
I think sometimes what um, can happen in a corporate white collar setting is that we kind of like use purpose the wrong way. Um, we almost like feels like we use purpose. It, it became a buzzword almost. And then it becomes harder for people to differentiate like, oh, is my purpose just to like draw a salary, draw insurance from this place for the benefit of my family? Or is there a broader purpose? So when you encounter people that maybe struggle with the idea of purpose, because I know I have for sure, is there like a set way that you approach that type of discussion? Or um, I'd just be interested when you come across stuff like that, how you deal with it. Well, there's not necessarily a set way, I think, because everybody has their own idea, if you will. What I, I see that a lot with people that have been with organizations for a long time, 25, 30 years plus. You know, they don't want to rock the boat, and they're doing that. They, they love the benefits, possibly. Um, they're, if you will, floating to retirement scenarios. But you have what I show them is the value they have, that knowledge, 30-plus years of knowledge. 35 plus years of knowledge. Who else can you help enlighten those younger coworkers, possibly the younger people about what you've learned through that time and how that has helped you? Because when you show them that, not only do they see how their inexperience, if you will, can grow because you've been there so long, but they see how you can, how you've contributed and then they can grow that way too. And you're you're helping to build that future. So that idea of what's my purpose, we, we're all created from the, the creator of the universe. And I think that's a, the first thing to realize is we got great potential within us. Share that with people. Share that with the younger generation. I talk to students a lot in school and letting them know, you know, how, how things, some things in life will work, what to expect when they get out of high school, what to expect when they get through college. And that's enlightening to them, again, because it gives them hope. It gives them the idea that, you know what, I can get through these scenarios. And showing people that value is, I think, important. So that's, again, part of the scenario that I show to people is show your value, share that value with others. And that's important not only with, you know, what you've done, but who you are. Um, I find that, you know, discussing, I've got three boys. And so discussing life events and different things with about life, I think can be a little harder with boys, but it, uh, it actually, sometimes it sinks in. Mine are under 20, all under 22 years old right now. So it's, um, we're almost to that cusp where they're going to start listening. I hope listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. And then kind of the last thing I wanted to ask you is, um, the pocket of time that um, I mostly like interview people about or within, it's like that 25 to 45, 25 to 50 range. So when you were going through that and starting to raise your own kids and like, you know, develop your career in different ways, and this is kind of like a bigger question, so you don't have to have a profound answer for it necessarily, but what were some of the bigger things that you took from that period like some people call it the second act of life like when you start to get out of the nest or whatever um what what were some of your big takeaways from like just life learnings or they can be personal or professional or whatever 
from that um, from that time period for yourself? Well, <laughs> to put it bluntly, life don't owe you nothing. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and I have to have a book that title, but there's a reason for that because, like I said, being younger and going through those scenarios, um, my parents sold the house before I physically graduated high school. So I was living on a college campus before I walked the stage in high school graduation. My dad was older. I was 18 when he retired. And so they sold the house and they moved. I was on my own. And here's reality, you know, boom, there you go. Um, You learn very quickly that, okay, mom's not there to do stuff for you. You got to kick it in gear and make sure you get what you need to get done. And that may mean working the extra hours, doing what you need to to cover bills, doing what you need to to study in college. Um, when I started, you know, I was 27 when I had my first son. And it, it was, my wife and I wanted kids and all that. We were ready for that. But yeah, some of the things that come up um, as they get older, the teenage years, you, you get the cute, fun little kid and all of a sudden they turn into a teenager and you're like, can I return this thing? You know, what happened here? But you go through all that and you learn, again, keep strong, stay together, keep stepping forward. These things will pass, too. They will learn. And a lot of times that hard, it's hard. It is very hard and you're going to skin your knees. And hopefully you have a, you know, some parents around to do that. My, um, I was in my 40s when my father passed away at the age of 90. So I dealt with not only elder care scenarios, but, you know, that whole scenario of um, them passing, both parents have passed. And it, um, that's a fact of life that we're all going to, none of us are here permanently. So going through that scenario, again, you learn the, the hurt will pass through time. The one thing my aunt told me, which was always interesting, is says, you know, dad may not be here, but you can never take away what he's given to you in your heart. little confession about the end of this episode. Bob actually had about two to three more minutes on some beautiful life advice that his aunt gave him. But my damn Chromebook, sorry Google, wouldn't take the recording for some reason. So that's my bad, but maybe I'll have him back down the road. The next episode should be coming around October 11th or 12th. I've got a bunch to tape this week, so I'm not sure what specific guests will be next, but I'd love to have you back. In the meantime, have a great week.